Hi everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. All right, welcome back to God's Plan, Your Part. Uh, Today we are starting 2 Samuel, so you've made it through, I don't know, seven or eight books now at this point, I think. Uh, And the way this this episode is going to start is wild like literally wild we we ended first samuel we see that saul has finally died uh jonathan has finally died you would think that david would just like rise to being king uh, but that is not what happens here not at all i actually was anticipating that a little bit too i mean i honestly like we open the chapter to those two are dead David hears about it. He's obviously, like, super perplexed and, like, doesn't know what to do except for tear his clothes and Mm -hmm. cry, Uh, which makes sense because they were really good friends. But um, after that, it's just, like, it just feels like the whole eye for an eye, just back and forth and back and forth and back and forth between the people of Saul who want to continue ruling and the people who are following after David, who is actually the king at this point. Um, So it's just, like, ugh, feels like you're just, like hearing a bunch of two-year-olds bicker back and forth but yep. with weapons. <laughs> yeah, you have you have pure politics and ruling yeah. parties and it's it is it's it's a bloody couple of chapters. Uh, one interesting thing to notice, if you look if you read over the end of 1 Samuel, uh, it says that Saul basically killed himself. And when we open 2 Samuel, this Amalekite runs up to David and says, "I killed Saul." Well, he's actually the enemy party. He's an Amalekite. He's not an Israelite. Um, and we know from the narrative that he is lying. He's lying to David to try to gain favor with David because he's assuming that David will be thrilled that he is now the king. Um, you, you, we should be cued into the fact that David is not going to be thrilled. And in fact, we read in the text that he is not. Yeah, it actually kind of surprised Maybe I missed that first part like of the Amalekite who was trying to deceive him. I think I missed that part. He's because already, I was just like, oh, this, this yeah. poor guy is just coming along, and he's like, you're dead. Yes, like, if, what? You, if you read it quickly, you'll be like, what in the world? But there are important details, two of them dead. being, this is an enemy soldier, and he's lying about what happened. And so David has him put to death because he's just a lying enemy soldier. I guess so. Um, but then you do have, like, the offspring of Saul. You know, keep in mind, these are... Kings and kingdoms. So Mm -hmm. Saul's son is supposed to be the king. Um, David has already been anointed king. We know that David is already very popular throughout Israel. This would have been a natural time for him to take over. People would have known that. In fact, he takes over Judah, um, but the other tribes follow Ishbosheth. And so we see Ishbosheth not really fighting very much, but we see Abner fighting a lot. Well, it also says here Ishbosheth. I hate that name. (laughs) Made king of Israel. Mm-hmm. So, that's kind of awkward. Yeah, these are these. Are, there are two kings in Israel at the opening of these chapters. But like, it makes me like think like these are real people, and this is like a real situation. Yes. Like, I'm sure there were they felt like justified in what they were doing. Yeah. So, like, how do you? That's I don't know. Like, real life rubber meets the road. That would be a really awkward position to be in. Now, I don't know that they were necessarily following after the Lord for these decisions. Exactly. However, that is the key. Like, but what if you thought, well, like, God wants me to be doing this? Like, well, how often do we do that today? David purely knew that God wanted him to be doing this. Right. But here's I'm just the thing to remember the opposite. Israel 
was not supposed to function this way. Israel was not designed to be under a king. God said, hey, like, if you have a king, <laughs> I guess God spoke through Samuel and was like, You're, you don't really want a king. The king mm -hmm. is going to be awful. They're like, please do it. Please do it. Please do it. So now they have a king. And here they are basically having a civil war. Uh, over who will be king, and yeah, I think there's that's just... important to remember too. Like these are actually Israelites fighting Israelites. Yes, all the time. Like all it's not time. even like warring countries that are enemies. It's like they're fighting each other. So what do we learn from this? Oh my. <laughs> um, I I think is there much more you want to talk about? I mean, there's a lot I of think killing. We've pretty much just covered it. Like I'm not sure that much else stood out to me. I'm sure there's other things in here, but it's just like. It kind of feels like David's not messing around, but at nope. the same time, he's also kind of just like, I don't know, he's like turning me off a little bit. It's funny, he's not messing around, um, but also he is really reluctant to take this by force. And you end up having all these manipulative people. It's like it's like the captain of the armies, and then it's like these other dudes that are powerful dudes, this Rima and, what's his name, like, Bana. They, they go and kill Ishbosheth while he's sleeping, like... Yeah, but like, is, murderous David, bands is of people. David wrong, though, in being like humble about it? Or should he just like shut himself it, off and it, just actually tell the people who he is and what? Oh, the people know who he is. Okay. Um, I think at this point we see that David over and over has waited on God to do this. And it is interesting how Wait David on God to do what? Just completely over make him them? king, basically. Uh, primarily what we see through these first four chapters is it's not really David for the most part going after these enemies and killing him. It's all these people trying to impress David to gain power. <laughs> he like sees right through it every time. Yeah. And there aren't like, there's a couple things to notice about David. One, he has like four or five wives now. Um, he does get Michael back. He's starting to have sons. Um, David is kind of getting swept up in some of this. Because, again, the king of Israel is not supposed to have a bunch of wives. And now David already has a bunch. Mm -hmm. um, so he's going to have a bunch of offspring. Like, it's it's a wild couple of chapters. Here's the thing that I think is really uh, important for us to see as people reading this account today. One, uh, this is just a historical fact. This is what happens when two opposing factions try to take over a country. That's what's going on. Um, Israel was never supposed to be this way. They were supposed to follow the Lord and be like committed to him and his servant and serving the Lord. They're, remember, they're a nation of priests. That's the goal. They are supposed to be a nation that when, when people look at them, they see God. Well, they're so far down the line now yeah. that all they care about is principalities and powers. Yep. And so there's tons of people being put to death. There's tons of war across the land because they are now just like everybody else. And I think the takeaway from us, perhaps the your part for us, um, any time we take our eyes off of the Lord, we start looking less and less and less like the way we are supposed to. Yeah. And if I could be really pointed with this, um, we're, I know not all of you are in the U S but we are here in the U S and obviously probably where you are too. Like politics is a really big deal. Oh. And I think we are supposed to be responsible stewards of culture. Um, we should be involved in whatever process it is that exists in our country to represent God in our country. But anytime we side with principalities and powers instead of the Lord, we look ridiculous. Yep. And so we, we do want to stand for what's right. Um, we do want to call people to repentance, to serving the Lord. 
Um, but we want to be really, really, really careful about um, putting a person or a power above God in our lives. We are not citizens of this world. Mm-hmm. We are citizens of heaven. And so our primary responsibility is to serve the Lord and represent him. And so I think it's a, it's a cautionary, a cautionary thing, but it's also a incredible responsibility for us to bring God into whatever culture we're in well and serve him well. And most likely when you're doing that, you're going to find yourself not lining up with either side mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Um, and we, we should look different. We've talked in the past about being distinct and culturally different. Um, there, there are things that we're going to stand up for on one side of the spectrum and then stand up for on the other side of the spectrum uh, because it is God that we're concerned about, um, not all these fleeting kingdoms. So I think that is an obvious caution in Second Samuel one to four. So something to take away. Um, we're gonna we're gonna continue this story. Uh, however, tomorrow we're gonna be jumping back into Psalms. So we'll see you then. Thanks so much for listening to our take today. Before we get into the reading, if we could just ask you one thing. Uh, If you've been enjoying the podcast, if you could subscribe to us and then leave a rating and review. We'd love to hear from you. And every rating we get helps us reach more people. Ultimately, we're just trying to reach people with the truth of God's word. And your review will help us do that. So thanks so much for being invested in the podcast. Here's the reading for today. 2 Samuel chapter 1. After the death of Saul, when David had returned from striking down the Amalekites, David remained two days in Ziklag. And on the third day, behold, a man came from Saul's camp, with his clothes torn and dirt on his head. And when he came to David, he fell to the ground and paid homage. David said to him, Where did you come from? And he said to him, I have escaped from the camp of Israel. And David said to him, How did it go? Tell me. And he answered, The people fled from battle, and also many of the people have fallen and are dead, and Saul and his son Jonathan are also dead. Then David said to the young man who told him, How do you know that Saul and his son are dead? And the young man who told him said, By chance I happened to be on Mount Gilboa, and there was Saul leaning on his spear, and behold, the chariots and the horse were close upon him. And when he looked behind him, he saw me and called to me, and I answered, Here I am. And he said to me, Who are you? I answered him, I am an Amalekite. He said to me, Stand beside me and kill me, for anguish has seized me, and yet my life still lingers. So I stood beside him and killed him, because I was sure that he could not live after he had fallen. And I took the crown that was on his head, and the armlet that was on his arm, and I have brought them here to you, my lord. Then David took hold of his clothes and tore them, and so did all the men who were with him. And they all mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul and Jonathan, his son, and for the people of the Lord and for the house of Israel, because they had fallen by the sword. And David said to the young man who told him, Where do you come from? And he answered, I am the son of a sojourner, an Amalekite. David said to him, How is it that you are not afraid to put out your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Then David called out to one of the young men and said, Go, execute him. And he struck him down. And so that he died. And David said to him, Your blood be on your head, for your own mouth has testified against you, saying, I have killed the Lord's anointed. And David lamented with his lamentation over Saul and Jonathan, his son. And he said, It should be taught to the people of Judah. Behold, it is written in the book of Jashar. He said, Your glory, O Israel, is slain on your high places. How the mighty have fallen. Tell it not at Gath. 
Publish it not in the streets of Ashkelon, lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised exult. You mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew or rain upon you, nor fields of offerings. For there the shield of the mighty has defiled, the shield of Saul, not anointed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan turned not back, and the sword of Saul returned not empty. Saul and Jonathan, beloved and lovely, in life and in death, they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles, they were stronger than lions. You daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you luxuriously in scarlet, who put ornaments of gold on your apparel. How the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle. Jonathan lies slain on your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant have you been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of women. How the mighty have fallen, and the weapons of war perished. After this, David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go up into any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said to him, Go up. David said, To which shall I go? And he said, To Hebron. So David went up there, and his two wives also, Ahinoam of Jezreel, and Abigail the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David brought up his men who were with him, every one with his household, and they lived in the towns of Hebron. And the men of Judah came, and there they anointed David the king over the house of Judah. When they told David it was the men of Jabesh-Gilead who buried Saul, David sent messengers to the men of Jabesh-Gilead and said to them, May you be blessed by the Lord, because you showed this loyalty to Saul your Lord and buried him. Now may the Lord show steadfast love and faithfulness to you, and I will do good to you because you have done this thing. Now therefore let your hands be strong and be valiant, for Saul your Lord is dead, and the house of Judah has anointed me king over them. But Abner, the son of Ner, commander of Saul's army, took Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and brought him over to Manahim. And there he made him king over Gilead and the Asherites and Jezreel and Ephraim and Benjamin and all of Israel. Ishbosheth, Saul's son, was forty years old when he began to reign over Israel, and he reigned two years, but the house of Judah followed David. And the time that David was king in Hebron over the house of Judah was seven years and six months. Abner the son of Ner and the servants of Ishbosheth the son of Saul went out from Manaim to Gibeon. And Joab the son of Zeruiah and the servants of David went out and met them at the pool of Gibeon. And they sat down, the one on the one side of the pool and the other on the other side of the pool. And Abner said to Joab, Let the young man arise and compete before us. And Joab said, Let them arise. Then they arose and passed over by number, twelve for Benjamin and Ishbosheth the son of Saul, and twelve of the servants of David. And each caught his opponent by the head and thrust his sword in his opponent's side. So they fell down together. Therefore the place was called Helkoth Hazarim, which is at Gibeon. And the battle was very fierce that day. And Abner and the men of Israel were beaten before the servants of David. And the three sons of Zeruiah were there, Joab, Abishai, and Ashael. Now Ashael was as swift as the foot of a wild gazelle. And Ashael pursued Abner. And as he went, he turned neither to the right nor to the left from following Abner. Then Abner looked behind him and said, Is it you, Ashael? And he answered, It is I. Abner said to him, Turn aside to your right hand or to your left, and seize one of the young men and take his spoil. And Asiel would not turn aside from following him. And Abner said again to Asiel, Turn aside from following me. Why should I strike you to the ground? How then could I lift up my face to your brother Joab? But he refused to turn aside. Therefore Abner struck him in the stomach with the butt of his spear. 
so that the spear came out at his back, and he fell there and died where he was. And all who came to the place where Asiel had fallen and died stood still. But Joab and Abishai pursued Abner, and as the sun was going down, they came to the hill of Ammah, which lies before Gia on the way to the wilderness of Gibeon. And the people of Benjamin gathered themselves together behind Abner and became one group and took their stand on the top of the hill. Then Abner called to Joab, Shall the sword devour forever? Do you not know what end will be bitter? How long will it be before you tell your people to turn from the pursuit of their brothers? And Joab said, As God lives, if you had not spoken, surely the men would not have given up the pursuit of their brothers until the morning. So Joab blew the trumpet, and all the men stopped and pursued Israel no more, nor did they fight any more. And Abner and his men went all that night through the Arabah. They crossed the Jordan, and marching the whole morning, they came to Manaim. Joab returned from the pursuit of Abner, and when he had gathered all the people together, they were missing from David's servant, nineteen men beside Asael. But the servants of David had struck down of Benjamin three hundred and sixty of Abner's men, and they took up Asael and buried him in the tomb of his father, which was at Bethlehem. And Joab and his men marched all night, and the day broke upon them at Hebron. There was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. And David grew stronger and stronger, while the house of Saul became weaker and weaker. And sons were born to David at Hebron. His firstborn was Amnon of Ahanoam of Jezreel, and his second Chileab of Abigail, the widow of Nabal and Carmel, and the third Absalom, the son of Maka, the daughter of Talmai, king of Geshur, and the fourth Adonijah, the son of Haggith, and the fifth Sephtiah, the son of Abital, and the sixth Ithriam of Elga, David's wife. These were born to David in Hebron. While there was war between the house of Saul and the house of David, Abner was making himself strong in the house of Saul. Now Saul had a concubine whose name was Rispa, the daughter of Ayah. And Ishbosheth said to Abner, Why have you gone into my father's concubine? Then Abner was very angry over the words of Ishbosheth, and said, Am I a dog's head of Judah? To this day I keep showing steadfast love to the house of Saul your father, to his brothers and to his friends, and have not given you into the hand of David. And yet you charge me today with the fault concerning a woman? God do to Abner, and more also, if I do not accomplish for David what the Lord has sworn to him to transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul and set up the throne of David over Israel and over Judah, from Dan to Beersheba. And Ishbosheth could not answer Abner another word, because he feared him. And Abner sent messengers to David on his behalf, saying, To whom does the land belong? Make your covenant with me, and behold, my hand shall be with you to bring over all Israel to you. And he said, Good, I will make a covenant with you. But one thing I require of you, this is, you shall not see my face unless you first bring Michael, Saul's daughter, when you come to see my face. Then David sent messengers to Ishbosheth, Saul's son, saying, Give me my wife Michael, for whom I have paid the bridal price of a hundred foreskins from the Philistines. And Ishbosheth sent and took from her from her husband Patiel, the son of Laish. But her husband went with her, weeping after her all the way to Bahurim. Then Abner said to him, Go, return. And he returned. And Abner conferred with the elders of Israel, saying, 
for some time past that you have been seeking David as king over you. Now then, bring it about, for the Lord has promised David, saying, By the hand of my servant David, I will save my people Israel from the hand of the Philistines and from the hand of all their enemies. Abner also spoke to Benjamin. And then Abner went to tell David at Hebron all that Israel and the whole house of Benjamin thought good to do. When Abner came with the twenty men to David at Hebron, David made a feast for Abner and the men who were with him. And Abner said to David, I will rise and go and will gather all Israel to my lord the king, and they shall make a covenant with you, and that you may reign over all that your heart desires. So David sent Abner away, and he went in peace. Just then the servants of David arrived with Joab from a raid, bringing much spoil with them. But Abner was not with David at Hebron, for he had sent him away, and he had gone in peace. When Joab and all the army that was with him came, it was told Joab, Abner the son of Ner came to the king, and he has let him go. He has let him go in peace. Then Joab went to the king and said, What have you done? Behold, Abner came to you. Why is it that you have sent him away, so that he is gone? You know that Abner the son of Ner came to deceive you, and to know you're going out and you're coming in, and to know all that you are doing. When Joab came out from David's presence, he sent messengers after Abner, and they brought him back from the cistern of Sarah. But David did not know about it. And when Abner returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside into the midst of the gate to speak with him privately. And there he struck him in the stomach so that he died for the blood of Ashael, his brother. Afterward, when David heard of it, he said, I and my kingdom are forever guiltless before the Lord for the blood of Abner, the son of Ner. May it fall upon the head of Joab and upon all his father's house. And may the house of Joab never be without one who has had discharge or has leprous or who has holds a spindle or who falls by the sword or who lacks bread. So Joab and Abishai, his brother, killed Abner because he had put their brother Ashael to death in the battle of Gibeon. Then David said to Joab and all the people who were with him, Tear your clothes and put on sackcloth and mourn before Abner. And King David followed the buyer. They buried Abner at Hebron. And the king lifted up his voice and wept at the grave of Abner. And all the people wept. And the king lamented for Abner, saying, Should Abner die as a fool dies? Your hands were not bound. Your feet were not fettered. As one who falls before the wicked, you have fallen. And all the people wept again over him. Then all the people came to persuade David to eat bread while it was yet day. But David swore, saying, God, do so to me, and more also, if I taste bread or anything else till the sun goes down. And all the people took notice of it, and it pleased them, as everything that the king did pleased all the people. So all the people and all Israel understood that day that it had not been the king's will to put death to Abner the son of Ner. And the king said to his servants, do you not know that a prince and a great man has fallen this day in Israel? And I was gentle today, though anointed king. These men, the sons of Zeruiah, are more severe than I. The Lord repaid the evildoer according to his wickedness. When Ishbosheth, Saul's son, heard that Abner had died at Hebron, his courage failed, and all Israel was dismayed. Now Saul's son had two men who were captains of raiding bands. The name of one was Bana and the name of the other Rechab, sons of Rimon, a man of Benjamin from Beeroth. For Beeroth also is counted as part of Benjamin. 
The Berethites fled to Githium, and there they have been sojourners there to this day. Jonathan, the son of Saul, had a son crippled with his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel, and his nurse took him up and fled. And as she fled in her haste, he fell and became lame, and his name was Mephibosheth. Now the sons of Rimon, the Beertharite, Rechab and Bana, set out, and about the heat of the day they came to the house of Ishbosheth, as he was taking his noonday rest. And they came into the midst of the house to get wheat, and they stabbed him in the stomach. Then Rechab and Bana, his brother, escaped. When they came into the house, as he lay on the bed in his bedroom, they struck him and put him to death and beheaded him. They took his head and went by the way of the Arabah all night, and brought the head of Ishbosheth to David at Hebron. And they said to the king, Here is the head of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, your enemy, who sought your life. The Lord has avenged my lord, the king, this day on Saul and on his offspring. But David answered Rechab and Bana, his brother, the sons of Rimon, the Berethite, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my life out of every adversity, when one told me, Behold, Saul is dead, and thought he was bringing good news, I seized him and killed him at Ziklag, which was the reward I gave him for his news. How much more, when wicked men have killed a righteous man in his own house on his bed, shall I not now require his blood at your hand and destroy you from all the earth? And David commanded his young men, and they killed him, and they cut off their heads and feet and hanged them beside the pool at Hebron. But they took the head of Ishbosheth and buried it in the tomb of Abner at Hebron. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow.